Welcome to the Code Life Podcast with me, Carl Beach, and my great mate, Nathan Blackaby. Hello, mate. <coughs> Christmas Eve, 1971. A 17-year-old student born in Peru to German parents is firmly strapped into her aircraft seat next to her mother. It's a short hop from Lima to Pucallpa, and she'd only take an hour. But Julianne... Copex journey is going to take a lot longer than that. The aircraft is a Lockheed Electra turboprop cruising at 10,000 feet. When she'd first seen it back on the ground, Julianne had thought it looked awesome. She didn't know that it was designed principally for flying over desert landscapes or that it was totally unsuited for taking on the turbulent mountain air above the Andes and little did she know the aircraft was about to fly into the eye of a storm I'm reading sounding good mate from True Grit by <coughs> Bear Grylls I don't like flying in general get ready for this back to the book the overhead lockers suddenly drop open. Luggage tumbles. Food scatters everywhere. Everyone's screaming. Julianne Kopech tries to stay calm, so does her mother. She tries to reassure Julianne to tell her everything will be alright. But it won't be alright. Mm. A searing white light blinds Julianne. Something happened to the right hand ring. A lightning strike. It's impossible to say. There's a sickening jerk. The front of the plane tips downwards. The screaming gets worse. But it's dwarfed by the deafening roar of the engines as a stricken aircraft plummets faster and faster towards the ground. Julianne hears her mother speak among the screaming of both engines and humans. It is a quiet acknowledgement that death is approaching hmm. the plane <coughs> breaks up oh, no. around her in the air and oh. suddenly Julianne Kopech realises that she is not surrounded by other passengers anymore or even <coughs> by the plane itself she can no longer hear either the screams or the engines all she can hear is the immense roar of the wind in her ears she is still strapped into her seat which has broken away from the body of the airliner. She is still 10,000 feet oh. in the air. Oh, no. And she is falling back to earth fast. But amazingly, her epic story of survival is only just beginning. <laughs> That's horrible. That's really horrible. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. Still, still fully conscious, awake. Holding onto the chair, but you're falling. in you're in your airline seat, falling through the air two miles up. Two miles up. A minute ago, you were sitting, stretching out, having your latte. Yeah, pack of Maltesers, and then bang, bang, you're in the chair, still giving it. And you, you, your mum and dad's gone. Your mum's gone. So she's on her own now. She's in on the her chair. own. She's falling through the sky, ten thousand feet. Back to the book. Julianne Kopeck would later recall how the seatbelt strapping her to the seat dug tightly into her guts, pushing the air from her lungs as she fell. 
There is no time to feel scared. She slipped in and out of reality. During a moment of consciousness, she sensed that she was upside down and spinning fast, drilling her way through the empty air as the jungle canopy below span up to meet her. Mm. Then darkness, and she blacked out again. Now this next bit mm. is a it's a, it, it's a freak. She awoke to find herself lying on the rainforest floor. The plane seat was on top of her, but she was no longer strapped in. She looked at her watch, nine in the morning. She tried to stand, dizziness. She collapsed to the jungle floor. Her collarbone felt strained. She touched it, broken. The two ends of the brake were pushing upwards, but mercifully they hadn't punctured the skin. There was a deep cut on her left leg. Strangely, it wasn't bleeding. She felt lethargic with concussion, lost her glasses, so it's difficult for her to see clearly. Only then did it strike her what had happened and that now she was utterly alone. She called out to her mother, but nobody called back. The only sounds she could hear were those of the rainforest. She had survived the unsurvivable. Wow. Now she would have to survive in one of the most unforgiving environments on earth. Dense, uninhabited, primary jungle. This is the beginning of an amazing survival story by essentially a young girl but so so she wakes up with the chairs on her <laughs> yeah. and the first thing she does is checks her watch yeah what's the time yeah weird what did you do i don't know i don't know but she's almost evaluated did you right. go like where's me adidas <laughs> <laughs> where's me reebok classic yeah, where's sport? me rolex yeah but then collarbone and she's almost like yeah. a few checks what's happened what, what state am I? am I in yeah, but how did she land how did she even survive the she landing she doesn't know I think what happened was that the jungle canopy was so thick yeah she's falling through at blistering speed yeah terminal velocity probably yeah and it, it just she just smashes Slowed her forward her she, she comes through the canopy unscathed apart from a broken collarbone so do you reckon it might have been she was falling backwards the chair took the initial impact yeah, yeah, yeah. and turned her and then just fell on her quite remarkable oh man that is unreal well you wait to see what comes next Whoa. back to the book she realised she was only wearing one shoe the other must have come off as she fell from the sky in her previous visits to the jungle, she'd always worn rubber boots to protect herself from snake bites. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. Venomous snakes or spiders could be lying anywhere, camouflaged from invisibility, but guaranteed to strike if disturbed. One covered foot was better than none, she figured. Thirst hit her, it says, but she saw that the broad green leaves were covered in moisture, so she sucked water off the leaves. It's a good bit of initiative. Mm. And then she, she, she says, moving and navigating in a jungle is an art form. Uh, and the book says it's also bloody hard work mm. even all the right gear and footwear obviously she's injured in her previous experiences she's used a machete but now she had nothing she tried to examine her surroundings carefully and remembered an especially imposing tree a fixed landmark to help her orientate herself she had nothing though she found a tin of boiled sweets that had landed in the vicinity of her hardly what she was hoping for but it was a sustenance of sorts and this is interesting. She remembered a piece of survival advice her father had given her. If you get lost in the jungle, find running water and follow it. Yeah. A useful tip for all you fellas out there. If you ever find yourself lost yeah, in yeah. the jungle, if somewhere. you're lost in the jungle, find running water and follow it. It doesn't matter how feeble it is. Chances are it will meet another tributary and become a stream 
then that stream will meet another stream, become a small river, river, and when you find a river, you find a good chance of finding people. So she's starting, you know, she's, she's a massive trauma. Hmm. It's an interesting lesson here. Excuse me, I've got a bit of man flu. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, lesson here about uh, using, keeping your head hmm. in the face of extreme trauma hmm. and shock. So she's now fighting to survive. Back to the book, Lost in the Jungle. Humans need to be aware that they're not the only ones searching for water and food. Mm. Every other animal and plant is doing the same. So while a stream can be a tool for survival, it can be a magnet for danger. She passed a bird-eating spider, the second biggest spider in the world with venomous fangs that can easily mm. puncture human skin. She used her way past it. She heard the ominous slow flapping of wings, longer and louder than any other bird. With a sick feeling in her gut, she knew that she was listening to a king vulture. She knew exactly what the king vulture fed on. Carrion. Rotting flesh. She turned a bend in the river and there she saw it. A row of three seats from her aircraft and strapped into the three seats were two men and one woman. They were upside down. Their heads stuck into the floor of the jungle. Their legs were broken, pointing awkwardly up into the air. And then she saw the vultures perched in the trees, watching and waiting. The flesh was still too fresh for their liking, but they would soon descend and rip the rotting meat from the corpses. She looked around to see if there were any more bodies, nothing, just a few scraps of metal littering the jungle floor, and so she hurried on her way, leaving the dead in the beady eyes of the hungry vultures. She wasn't carrying. Not yet. Anyway. So it goes on that she, through her broken bones, she's got a thin cotton dress on, hmm. Uh, it's wet, cold at times. Uh, she's avoiding spiders and snakes. And she's getting cut to pieces going through the thick brush. Um, no sign of human habitation. Then it goes on to say this. I mean, she's, she's, she's sink, she also she has to go through like sinking sand yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I mean, but is this, how old is she? I can't remember it saying. Young, young girl. Like in her 20s? 17. 17. So get this Julianne had a cut on the back of her right arm it was difficult to see but uncomfortable so she twisted her arm round to take a better look mm. maggots oh no flies had laid their eggs in the open wound and the eggs had now hatched and the larvae were a good centimetre long the gash was infested as they fed off the rotten skin she knew these parasites would not harm their host Indeed, maggots can help keep mm. a wound clean because mm. they only feed on dead tissue. But while the wound was open, it would become infected and an infected open wound in the jungle would kill her very fast. There was little she could do. So she left the crawling maggots where they were and lowered herself once more into the Prana and Alligator River and continued, continued on her baby swim and uh, cut a lot out. But she basically, at one point, finds herself swimming amongst crocodiles and alligators and or caimans it says here and poisonous frogs 10 days later mm. she's 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 basically in and out of consciousness mm. and totally confused she's hallucinating but she sees a small boat and it says she dragged her broken bleeding body towards it um, there were footsteps leading from the boat up the bank she called after them took her hours to cover 100 yards hours to cover a hundred yards mm. uh, but she found a simple shelter canister of petrol there she discovers a tarpaulin she, she slept 
under the tarpaulin that night and the following day was found by three men. She explained as she was that she had fallen from the skies and survived for ten days in the jungle. They stared at her in amazement, not knowing how any human could have survived such an ordeal. They also stared at her in horror. It was not her bleeding back that horrified them most, not a maggot infested wound, not a broken skin blistered with angry, separating insect bites. Mm. It was her eyes. The blood vessels had burst all across her eyeballs from her extreme fall at terminal velocity. They were oozing blood, sockets of weeping red. Julianne Kopeck had fallen two miles in the sky and survived, it says here, through sheer good luck. But after that, luck had very little to do with it. She survived a horrific ordeal of the next 10 days by using the very little knowledge she had to good effect. It's an interesting thing we could talk about in a moment. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. Despite the terrifying situation she found herself in, she stayed calm and she adapted her mindset to survive the jungle terrain around her. She trusted her instinct, refused to give in, despite the often hopeless outlook of her situation. How many people in Julianne's situation would have panicked? But Julianne knew that panic, to yeah. panic, was to die. Yeah, yeah. She kept her cool, she kept moving, she ignored the pain, she stuck to her plan, and ultimately it was that indomitable survivor spirit that saved her life. Now there's a girl with some real grit. This wow. was true, one, uh, a praise of one chapter of true grit by Bear Grylls. He calls it the epic true stories of heroism and survival that have shaped my life. So, some questions. <clears throat> was she the only survivor? It would appear so. I wonder if there's more info online, but I just, very interesting. Well, what a, what an astonishing story. Julian Kupek. Yeah, man, that's amazing. Yeah. And nothing more about her family or anything like that? Or It's really the story. These, this book doesn't go into depth about the individuals more what they did or how they survived and um, I think the reason I felt particularly drawn to this yeah hey she's a 17 year old kid yeah she keeps her head she doesn't flap she she drills into what little knowledge she can draw out from her mind and applies it and she and she doesn't just fight to survive she actually does survive you know she she fights pain discomfort insect attacks dangerous animals poisonous snakes yeah you know she she drinks water where she can find it she she tries to find she follows the river to find people it's quite an astonishing thing i mean you know you can't quantify falling out of the sky and surviving no, no but what you can quantify is when you find yourself in that situation mm. where the chips are down and everything's bad mm. are you a fella mm. who flaps or do you stay calm yeah. and apply the knowledge that you got yeah. to fight your way out the corner what kind of a fellow are you and that's that's a big question So I think a lot of men panic and flap. Yeah, yeah. Where the chips are down. Yeah, yeah. The things are going Pete's on. Yeah. I think it's... It, yeah. It's, it's trying to work out 
in my head, the situations we get into that require us to have that steely reserve, that true grit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think for a lot of blokes, they're almost long for a situation where they're tested and pushed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know a lot of blokes that into their martial arts and stuff, and they long for a moment to be pushed or, or yeah. to, to... See, I think... To I get think. that. But I think the most painful situations to endure in are those long drawn out protracted things where you, you the, your controls are taken away from you yeah, yeah see her controls are taken away mm. she's got nothing she's got a tin of sweets mm. one shoe mm. I mean she's stuffed mm. and I think it's when you're in those work situations yeah. or home situations yeah. where the apparent controls are gone you could be facing a redundancy yeah. or you've got to make a whole bunch of people yeah, you know, redundant. Y- your wife's cheated on you, yeah, or you know, your girlfriend is broken up with you, or something like that, or, or an ailment, or a long-standing pain yeah, get, that's just in yeah, your body. yeah, a bad medical diagnosis, or a whole bunch of people you you know where your friends aren't anymore, and it all's all on pear shapes, mm. you know. Mm. How do you how do you respond as a man of God? Mm in those situations now she had a little bit of jungle knowledge clearly that was a thing yeah yeah we we got a word of god haven't we we have mate which is our manual for for living uh, all matters of life and death yeah yeah Um, but that's important that example I remember going into a prison in Brazil and and I immediately felt unarmed and vulnerable yeah, and instantly, and I remember thinking to myself, "I need to, re- I need to go to somewhere in the Bible to give me some courage, to give me a bit of yeah. a bit of breathing space, bit of like just to gather me foot." And I couldn't find anything. Really? And I, f- yeah, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, we, you, "You're not coming to me, looking in my Word as a regular pattern in your life." So when the heat's on, uh, you're okay. not equipped. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, and um, in our church. Uh, Andy Kind mm. comedian mm. and evangelist funny boy. works with us funny guy uh, he was asking our 18 to 30s group yeah. about their bible reading yeah. habits yeah. and for the most part not everyone but for the most part people were saying I really struggle to struggle read my bible yeah, yeah. Um, but I find the more you drill yourself in it yeah. when the chips are down and facing redundancy yeah, yeah. you go into an autopilot response yeah. with it yeah yeah yeah, your mind pulls stuff out that you've read or thought Correct. on or yeah. in those moments of crisis. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, mate. But what stops us from being a flapper? You know, you meet some blokes, they're flappers, aren't they? Flapper the slightest thing. What is it that helps a man stay calm for a long period of time when it's tough? Well, we've looked at this before. I think we can talk about preparation in the mind and physically and spiritually. The disciplines we've, we've talked about hard routine yeah. we've talked about callous in the mind yeah over a long like endurance events that we've done yeah where you have to callous the mind and, and yeah. not give in you say i'm not not leaving this point till it's done but everyone's got their everyone's got their resilience yeah. level right? <laughs> yeah definitely but that's where, but that's you, where how do you extend that that's where i think you, you don't do it on your own because when you feel like you're reaching that point of I can't go on, you you got a mate who says yeah you can. Yeah. We'll do it together. I think. 
She was on her own. She was on her own. Having survived falling for two miles. <laughs> I mean, that is mad. Like, the injuries alone. Yeah. I'd have to stop, look at the maggots, gather myself. I would say there are times when you do, when you do find yourself standing alone. Yeah. As a leader, certainly. There are times, I mean, I've experienced it. Yeah. A couple of times when you, you everyone else is falling apart around you. Uh, and you stand alone as the leader. Um, yeah, you got to hold that ground. That's that's not an easy thing to do. But I, I think that then pivots and anchors from your relationship with God, your personal relationship. Yeah. With God. And you've said this before: you win the big battles when the small things are in control, and Correct. And, and you've got the little victories yeah. that no one sees. Yeah, you know, you, the big battles are fought in the small places, yeah. the small hidden places. Yeah. No one's so your integrity at. online's, you know, secure. Yeah. Your giving's, you're generous. You, there's no, no That's one in right. your heart you're unforgiving towards, or That's the little right. things that no one sees. And then when the public battles happen, and yeah. you and you manage to keep keep your cool. And yeah. What about the idea of guys? I think there's guys out there with the the wound with the maggots in. I think there's blokes out there. Well, I think the answer church. is you leave the maggots in there, don't you? Because they keep the dead flesh. <laughs> they keep eating, but ultimately <laughs> they eat. They eat the good flesh too, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, Dirty maggots, they. or would they just drop off? When no, they I think they just gorge themselves on your dead flesh, cut it back, and then drop off. So for blokes carrying a wound, yeah, because they're out there, aren't they? Get yourself some maggots. Go down the fish. <laughs> go down the bait <laughs> go shop. Go down the shop. Get yourself a tub of. Yeah, mate, you yeah. got a tub of uh, maggots, pinkies. mate. Give me a tub of them pinkies. What are you fishing for? Oh, no, 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 no. no. You, mate. I'm not fishing. Got a couple of spiritual wounds. Need some maggots. <laughs> I'm going to rub <laughs> some maggots on some wounds. <laughs> well, there are good advice. blokes. Good advice. Code Life Podcast. Yeah. Um, there are blokes clearly walking around with open wounds. Uh, yeah. and we come across this a lot you can see it in people's faces yeah you can you see it in their posts online you do you see it in the way they react <laughs> under pressure yeah yeah little chips in the character yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're not dealt with stuff I see blokes sulking having hissy fits mm. flapping mm. panicking mm. not putting their trust in God yeah uh, mate I think the root of this and for me anyway it was a, an image and a concept of God that I had, or Jesus that I had in my head, that that needed expanding. Yeah, I remember reading this email by a guy, and he said the cross is a potent exchange that we don't realise just how much it does. And he he said there's lots of blokes that are angry, and he said you can take your anger and hatred to Jesus as well. Yeah, and he deal with it. Yeah, and I think a lot of guys hold on to that stuff because because approaching Jesus and the cross. It's always felt like quite a reverent thing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you go with a little sin basket and then you, you you sort of back away without looking up and it's all very solemn and reverent, but you can you can go to Christ with like the, the peaks of your emotion, can't you? You can tell him everything. I think there's another thing in there where we don't like giving things to Christ because we lose control. Yeah. I can't fight back, I can't I can't yeah. I've got to go God's way on this. Yeah. Takes a lot of guts to give it over, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, especially when it's your name or something about you and your your misrepresentation or yeah. your family. Or yeah, and you think I need to speak out and defend myself. Yeah. Or I feel emasculated here, and yeah. I need to. 
But He'd to surrender give it that, to Lord, to give that to Lord's massive. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Yeah. It's Romans 12 again, that. Yeah. But, but this it's, is, a, it's a lot of character, yeah, though, mate. A survival stuff, this. This is this is the equivalent of you falling out of a plane and landing in the jungle yeah. with your seat on top of you and your collarbone broken. Yeah. It's when your name, your reputation, or your family, or your work is being snatched from you. Yeah. That's that's rubber hits the road proof of your faith stuff. Yeah, yeah. How deep has Jesus gone? Amazing, mate. And that girl, she could have curled up in that seat yeah, and gone, I'm died. staying here. I'm dying. I'm, I can't do anything. I've lost my mum. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm hurt. I'm wounded. Just lie here and die. I'm just going to lie here and die. Fair, yeah. And, and I think, blokes, we do, when we get wounded, it, it does hurt. You can't take that away. Yeah. But we can also sulk. Yeah. And I would say man up. Define that honesty. term, my friend. Define it, because you know people are going to be like, you can't say man up. Oh, I just did. I know you did. And I know what you meant by it. Well, you can... Well, let's put it this way. Yeah. <coughs> you can stay sulking on your sofa. Yeah. Having a little pity party. Yeah. Pity party for one. Yeah. Um, you can bump your gums, yeah. moaning about people who've hurt you. Yeah. Suppress it, self-medicate. That's what yeah. blokes do, isn't it? Open another beer. Yeah. You know, don't go to church anymore. Sack that off. Yeah. We can man up and go God's way which mm. is to find your inner strength that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life mm. you forgive your enemies love those who persecute you don't give up on that vision that was given to you by God just because the budget went wrong or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. or someone complained that can happen I, I, I do you ever experience that not as much as your good self but <laughs> I've had a few <laughs> I've had a few <laughs> well if you're going to lead anything, yeah, you're going to get complaints and you're going to get criticism. Yep. You do anything new and fresh, it's going to hurt. You have a choice. You can either stay on your sofa or you can be a meathead Christian. Yeah, get out there. Get out there. Shake it off. And and they're out there everywhere. Blokes in yeah. business, blokes I'm, everywhere. You know here's my theory. Go on. Jesus had the right to have a pity party, didn't he? Yeah, he was let down loads, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone had the right to have the ump yeah yeah it, you know Jesus really but he didn't he, no. he went to the cross endured the shame the mm. scorn mm. forgave the thieves on the cross mm. rose again job done amazing mate that. yeah and then, then we were having a little salt because the budget didn't, didn't go work my out way. someone complained someone moaned at me yeah it's funny. It's funny how corrosive it, it can be and toxic until yeah. you speak it out. Yeah. And I think that's so why you're going to stay in the jungle yeah. with a seat on your head, <laughs> or you're going to get up. Yeah. Get out of that jungle. Get out of that jungle. Find the path. With your out. one shoe. Follow the stream of living water. Follow the stream. God, God, God I I'm telling you, it's liquid gold. This Holy is. Holy spirits all over this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some important thoughts there. I think. And uh, hmm. time for you boys to chew over. There will be men out there who are, have got an aircraft seat on their heads. Yeah. They feel like they've fallen two miles. Feet are sticking out of the desert. Time to get the woods, yeah. What's happening in the world of CVM? Mate, loads is happening. We've, we secured some funding, actually, 
to have a rewrite the old founding fathers beauty that's good news so i want you involved in that more i mean you did write a chapter in here about yeah, do, do we do a little bit more if you don't now mind. i'm back in the game what did you write being a dad to teenagers yeah now i could do being a being an empty nester yeah you could yeah you could mate but yeah we're gonna, dad we're to gonna daughters. i've got up. a great article on being a dad to daughters have you yes well we'll have some of that then yeah i've already got, i've already got it written have you yeah it's on me on me blog come on and we want, we want <coughs> this to be more about the code, about fatherhood, code living. Tell the boys about the code. Mate, the code, have I got a copy here? No. The code is our 12-point honour code. Yeah. And how we follow Jesus Christ as, yeah. as men. Uh, and what it looks like, what, what the call is from Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, and we're basing a lot of CVM's vision and strategy around I was that. trying to think about that, actually. I was yeah. trying to think, how do I... You know, we did these little code cards with yeah. the 12 codes on. Mine's upstairs, yeah. Um, are we going to get more of them done? I think so. Yeah, I've because got one in my wallet. I was thinking of, um, you know, trying to trying to be something that I see every morning before I crack on. So, yeah. What were you thinking? Well, I like the cards, mm. but I don't know something more permanent. I think yeah, I don't know, or even bookmarking <laughs> my Bible. Or, we need to find a way to keep the code visual in people's minds because mm. I think you know, I get out of bed in the morning mm. it, you, you know you got your, your prayers your mm. readings you use my old hymn books and that yeah yeah just to have that as a daily meditation you know, like the monks of old yeah yeah they'd have their daily yeah. discipline yeah yeah stillness but they would they would probably recite or uh, yeah, you yeah. know a, a well that's what we want to put in there well I think you know everyone when I get them and say you know Jesus is my catching brother yeah yeah I never, never give up because he never gives up on me. Yeah, yeah. You read the 12 codes. Yeah, yeah. So you just go in your head, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I was talking to my brother yesterday. He said, why ben. don't... Yeah. He said, why don't you bring it out, like, something spiritual, because we've all got the spiritual dynamic, yeah. and... Uh, and um, uh, what else did he, uh Physical. He said, to put in there, like, give us a bit of a routine. So, like, we get yeah. up, we have a stillness, or when, whenever we do it, but then yeah. we have a bit of a route, like... 10 press ups a bit of this bit of that the 12, I think reading the 12 codes has mm. got to be in there somewhere oh yeah definitely focuses your mind doesn't it yeah well, maybe people could let us know what their suggestions are yeah what else is kicking off uh, so we've got the gathering mate 21st to the 23rd of June that's yeah. going to be big it's going to be big how many have we got now 2,200 on site right and this is this is the 15th of April so yeah. we're going to so we pre-recorded this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is biggest ever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Easy, easy. And all the normal faces there. We've got loads of extra stuff happening, so it's going to be good, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking it's forward to good. it. Yeah. It's going to be sunny. We've checked it out, and we scorching. It's always sun. sunny in the field near Swindon. I've never known a bad weather year. I haven't either. Well, it rained that year, but I wouldn't. No. I mean, did we get rid of that footage? Yeah, it's all gone. It's Great. All should we have a cup of tea, mate? A cup of tea. Thanks, uh, Nathan. It's been Cheers, a pleasure mate. as ever.